0: What are your thoughts on marketing, marketing hype versus facts, expectation versus reality? What's the most outrageous claim you all have made in life that ended up being 100% bullshit? Ooh. Well, I mean, most of them. <laughs> Butterscotch <laughs> shenanigans. Hey, welcome to episode 322 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game and dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and my neck is twisty. I'm Sam, and my wrist is healing. Ooh. And this is We're a show where we, talk, <laughs> where we talk about life, body parts, and working in the games industry. <laughs> Today is July 29th, 2021. Dunk on everyone. Before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be swears and profanity in this show of, of the positive kind, but it's in there. So mm-hmm. get ready. Uh, we'd also like to thank our supporters over at We, You know, you went there, and we grabbed your money. Thanks good. for that. Yep, that did happen. Good. We liked it. We took it. It's ours now. Uh let's talk about something. Black Summer. It's like a show. Yeah.
1: On ne- so on Netflix. Yeah, every so often we give like a wreck for some, you know, thing to go check out. So if you like zombies and the fast, very spooky kind, um, I recently, randomly, for some reason, the Netflix algorithm got me and uh, showed me this this title called Black Summer, and I was like, "Huh, okay, you know, zombies." Sure, I'm feeling a little feeling a little uh, hoarder element here. I'm gonna go for it. Um, and so I've been watching it, and actually finished uh, both seasons in the last like two weeks or so. So it got, like really, really took off. And I think the fun part about these zombies again, it's a, it's a very like it's a very gruesome show. So you got to be you know. Go to it knowing that mm. if it's your cup of tea, if it's not your cup of tea, do not participate. It is not a good wreck in that, in that case because it just it okay. goes all the way. Um, but importantly, two things: one, the zombies are the kind that basically you don't need to get bitten. It's just anytime anyone dies, literally within five seconds, they're zombified. Ah, and like fast, terrifying zombies, right? Who are just like unstoppable.
2: So it's like twenty so that, days later, zombies because they also yeah. take
1: like thirty seconds. Yeah, and what basically explores then is sort of like you start in this like the other piece is in is in the structure of the show, which is done with the little vignettes essentially like uh a lot of them are actually what like single shot scenes that are so well done that like i'm like I'm aware of how ridiculously effective this camera work is like while it's happening um because I'll just like one really long shot for like three to five minutes. And that's like a little vignette, and then it closes, and then it'll jump to a different character or something like that. And so oftentimes by the time one episode ends, you see almost like the same situation, but from a couple different people's angles, um, as far as like what was going down and what people were involved in, this sort of thing. So it's got a very fun structure to it that you don't see in, uh, or I haven't seen in shows that much, um, which I think is kind of worth hmm. exploring. And that paired then with the the speed of those zombies like turning, they basically explore the extent to which that fact makes people's attachment to each other like really odd. Like in the first season, of course, there's a lot of hand-wringing about like, oh my God, someone's about to die. Like, oh no, we have to, like someone has to literally, you know, kill them, like shoot them in the head so they don't come back in 10 seconds and kill all of us. Um, and then by the time the second season rolls around, it's like, it's basically months into this whole thing now. And everyone's just hard as steel. Mm-hmm. There's so no, as soon as no someone's hesitation. Yeah, as soon as someone like breaks their leg or something, literally someone just like
0: everybody just pulls out their gun, like here we go. <laughs> yeah, and the craziest
1: one is like watching gunfights go down between yeah. sort of like groups of people, because as soon as guns sh- like shots are being fired, then people are also having to keep tabs on the zombies that are their now own. literally animating. Yeah, their own side. Yeah, and so it's just yeah. like it's it a level of like frenzied wildness that i haven't seen portrayed quite as well and that the character is really good so it's very fun it's very gruesome um for people who are into that sort of thing and i'd recommend it also i watched it on one and a half speed um which you could do in netflix
0: so maybe the zombies weren't fast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe,
2: well, maybe the, the gunfights weren't as hectic as they seemed to be yeah, well, yeah. i think i think. I guess,
0: hmm. The reason it worked for me, Why did me, you though, do that? Why did you watch it on one and a half? Because season? the tension. That's weird. There's too much
1: tension. In the, like, it's oh. too much. And so, like, instead of having to just sit there for literally, like, an extra, you know, minute sometimes while really creepy shit is happening and you're, like, waiting for the bad thing to show up, uh, you get there a lot sooner, which it was is never a thing I've actually – like, a technique I've used because <laughs> I usually can't watch horror movies and stuff. But for some reason, it actually made it, like – palatable because the tension didn't get drawn out. So I wasn't just like fully ratcheted up for so long. So that's like a weird thing about it that I found for myself. And I don't know if you guys have done that before, but like it's, it worked no, very well. So
0: yeah. I have a hard time. I, I, at some point, I think Sam, you had recommended listening to podcasts on faster yeah. speed and I, I had tried that, but I found that I, I have a hard time paying attention to things verbally at normal speed and then mm. if it's sped up – because if my mind wanders for a second, you know, then I've missed even more you're stuff than I did mm. before and I'm way off track. And So I found myself rewinding and it took me longer to get through the podcast Interesting. Uh, with that. So <laughs> you're saying that, that in this show – I assume this is an apocalypse scenario because every zombie yes. show is an apocalypse scenario. But that kind of made me think – would it would be kind of interesting to have a – a show where basically the fact that people become zombies when they die has just always been true, mm, and right. society—you so now, now like a
2: far future society where like there is a society that's not an apocalypse anymore, but they're—it's
0: just, just yeah. Right. It's like what would the like cultural implications of that be, and what would like the what would the religions of the world be at that in that kind of a yeah place right because like people would still just be doing their normal day to day lives they'd be going to their jobs they'd be like farming or going to work like whatever and everything would be running as normal but then there would be this kind of undertone where like death is viewed like way differently yeah because it come get you
1: yeah that, yeah, I think that's what's fun about that second season because it shifts into more of that – like the first one's all about like people versus zombies. And then the second one is actually like a really heavy mix of just people versus people mm-hmm. given the fact that once you kill a person, they turn into a zombie. It's actually sort of like what's happening in second if season. If there's one if so you, thing
2: you can trust about people, they will continue to be horrible to each other no matter what. I mean, yeah, that's sort of like – that's what – Basically, the second. That's, that's what yeah. is, like, I mean. Every every one of these shows is the same thing, right? It's just like, yep. oh, we got to deal with the world against like us. It's now us, the whole world, you know, coming together for this thing, and then literally like a year in or whatever, they're just like, oh, wait, we hate each other though, right? Forgot about that. Actually, yeah, <laughs> let's keep on <laughs> hating each other.
0: Yeah, but that's why shows like uh, like Parks and Rec or The Good Place or uh, you know uh, like Ted Lasso or whatever like because those shows are they don't have that, right? Those yeah, shows are just yeah. like, "Hey, here's some people who are all uh, they have their flaws, but they are trying to be good, and they're like they're working together for for stuff, right. Mm-hmm. Which I think you know, it's just so much more it's, it's so much nicer mm-hmm. to it watch is. <laughs> yeah, Ted Lasso season two started.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't. I haven't watched any of it because I think I think my my wife wants to wait until it's like out so we can just kind of yeah. watch the whole thing. You know, that's where uh, I'm at. So yeah, so we're so we're now rewatching the first one, which my my wife has already done a few times, I believe. But uh, for me, it's the second watch through, and it is just such a good fucking show. It is so good. I will say, and, it's and, this and there sort was of stuff like... that I read differently the first time than now, like upon second viewing, mm. like some of the character behavior, some of the things that they say and stuff. Like it now has a completely different read on it. I'm like, oh shit, like they like there are these moments that you think that you think a character is doing one thing, like something really, you know, in that, in that context. Um, but then you realize there might be this other, there's just this other layer there, mm. you know, of like a thing that seems to be bad, uh, or seems to be somebody like losing control is actually them like demonstrating to somebody else that they are stronger than they thought they were, you know? And like this, mm. this kind of shit, you know, like it's just, it's so mm. good. So, uh, good show. Yeah, we, we basically binge the first season though. So I'll, I mean, over again, uh so now we'll be back yeah, waiting i, think, I guess I feel like ted lasso is a good <laughs> sort of wreck on the other side of
1: this uh of the scale right <laughs> yeah like the black <laughs> the situation opposite. ted lasso pick to pick take your pick you know
2: yeah when it comes to just like uh you know brutal sort of things i watched a uh, gunpowder milkshake which is also a netflix mm-hmm. a movie uh what it was that? it was uh it's it's uh it's It's a I guess Assassins Guild kind of a deal thing, you know, like a a, it's 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 like like sort of a lighter. It's basically John Wick,
1: yeah,
2: and not Mm. I mean not and not I mean lighter might not even be accurate. It's just like another John Wick, just with different characters, sort of a Mm, sort of thing. Uh, But I I won't say anything else besides I loved it. Apparently, it's got pretty mixed uh, reviews about uh, people largely picking on like the fighting feeling gratuitous. I think is the main thing um well, but, that's what you should, that's again that's one of those ones like john stars. wick you know and, yeah, and, yeah and i watched this fun. assassin's guild yeah, no, movie yeah. and the, <laughs> there's just uh, too much
0: fighting it's, uh, it,
2: but it's very fun <laughs> and and then in in particular so i'll just mention i'll briefly describe without any detail well, probably my favorite scene so that you'll kind of know it's gonna coming gonna but you won't really know me. you know and thread that needle which is uh which is uh our imagine that uh, that your that your arms are paralyzed right but you no. still need to fight <laughs> right and so and so you manage to to get some weapons attached to your hands right but your arms are paralyzed. So what are you gonna do to uh, to then fight right Because if your answer is spin around and whip your arms around really hard to say. <laughs> To get these them into arms, the air, or are they just biological the flails at this point? They, they become <laughs> biological flails. And so what? That's a whole. That's a whole thing. So basically, once that's that once that thing. moment, like I was already in it anyway because it was very fun. Uh, but once we got to that moment, and that that's a very then a lot of things happen with that sort of core premise, and uh, and it was just
0: so <laughs> over the top and absurd and hilarious. Uh, that's is Daniel I'm Radcliffe like it. in this? Because it sounds like a Daniel Radcliffe. It's type of that situation. moment <laughs> is like has that vibe. Which if you have, if you've seen that movie, uh, Guns Akimbo, uh, that is
2: some wild, uh, wild shit. <laughs> I can't even say I recommend it. Except it was so over the top, top. and absurd that maybe you, you do have to watch it. You know, like
1: I did watch the one where he was dead. Wild. He's been in a lot yeah, of weird shit. Yet. I don't know what Daniel's yeah. up to, but yeah. I'm here
0: for it. I mean I'm showing up. Yep. <laughs> he got all of he got all of his like pop culture cravings out of the way by the time he was in his like mid 20s where he's like I've I've done that part of my career being super popular being in movies that everybody watches Making lots of money. I've done that part now. Now I'm going to be a farting corpse mm-hmm. <laughs> in a movie that nobody watches. Yep. Uh, or, or yeah, this Guns Akimbo when he's got like guns like nailed to his hands. hands. Yeah. It's part of a reality TV
2: show, like an underground illegal reality TV show, where they just pit two people against each other. And then whoever wins gets to be alive still and gets money, right? And – uh and so that's like yeah, that's like, the <laughs> that's the underlying thing, and then he doesn't intentionally get you know mixed into this, um, but then he does, and then mm, and oh, he's boy. got guns
0: nailed to his hands, yeah, and a lot. So anyway, that's what I was wondering because like as you're describing this, I'm like, I mean, this is, this is just a, this is a Daniel Radcliffe fight. Yes, yeah, so if, if you, if you take that movie and then join it to John Wick, then that's basically what uh, <laughs> this one is. So it's good. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, well, let's talk about some studio stuff. Uh, so I want to have I want to have a CEO update, CEO. a letter from the CEO. We'll it. How's it going? <laughs> How's it going? Here's here's the segment title: View from the top. Ooh. Oh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. That was pretty
2: that's pretty good. Nice.
0: Well, so just just I for some a uh, quick quick uh, refresher. A, a few weeks ago, we made Adam stop doing so much web programming. We said we need somebody to zoom out and and sort of make their focus working on the company and whatever that entails. Yeah. Because it hasn't really been anybody's specific job before. Somebody who's ultimately responsible, basically, for everything, instead of
2: having diffuse responsibility for all of the things. Uh, Yeah, so I think uh, I don't have really like a structured set of thoughts on this because I've been having millions of thoughts over the past two weeks. And so uh, so I think the main things have been – that going from a so transitioning from doing largely programming or at least you know deep thought work related to that um, to now having to kind of keep track of and figure out what is happening uh, and try to figure out how to like document that stuff and then be able to think about it and figure out what is this is this good right when there's a when there's a million of these things um, has been the the. That's been the difficult part of the shift because it, you know the transition from like focused work where I can hyper focus on it to here's a million things right uh, has been the the main challenge. Um, it's been doable because of ADHD meds. So you know, thanks for thanks for that, whoever invented thanks Adderall. drugs. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's been it's been manageable and it has been fun. Um, I, but it, it is interesting as you start to dig de- because because as anybody out there who's ever suddenly realized, oh, hey, I haven't like looked deeply into this facet of my life, whatever it is, right? And as you start to dig, you're just like, holy shit, there's like, there's a lot in here and you just keep on there's going. There's some layers. And there's like bones are coming out mm. and like, you know, and then you hit lava at some <laughs> point, you know, there's just like so much going on in there because you just kind of just left it and didn't pay attention, right? And and that's basically what it feels like uh, kind of working through how the company works. You know, why, why are we doing the things that we're doing? Mm. What, what are people doing? Um, like none of it is just like bad or doesn't make sense, but all of us just, it's not designed, right? So it's all, it's all fairly came to be organically, uh, in a way that kind of got the job done. Um, and a lot of that was because we didn't know what the job was we were doing. Right. Uh, and so, so we didn't really understand, we didn't have the full picture of the problems and therefore we couldn't have really precise, concrete, carefully designed solutions. And so everything's just a little fuzzy. So as far
1: Uh, as like where you've gotten it, to in the last uh two weeks then kind of what where i guess if you could pick like a thing that has been either a takeaway or a thing that now we're doing that we
2: weren't doing before uh uh yeah i'll i'll, I'll start from the same overall idea mm-hmm. which is um or i guess I'll, I'll start from the thing that led to the to the realization actually probably is better did we talk about the problems born already last week or previously yes we did right I'm pretty sure i think we did um so, so as I mentioned last week, we, we put together basically a bug tracker, but for things that are not software bugs, things that are bugs with the studio, right? With things that happen as you're doing stuff or don't happen that should have. And uh, and part of this is includes a template of like, okay, kind of fill out this this uh, this exercise, trying to nail down the details of what that was so that people can now collaborate with you and help you figure out what's going on, what to do about it, et cetera. Uh, so the big takeaway there was that First of all, that's really hard. But second of all, the thing that makes it so hard is that we are all solutions-focused, not problems-focused, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And and so what I mean by that is in the process of identifying and then solving some issue, right? The first thing you do is identify the problem, right? And the next thing you do is given that problem, try to come up with a list of things you can do and evaluate those, et cetera, uh, so the problem is, is that we automatically are searching for solutions just in our brains as, as like problems come up, right? And so very quickly, something that we identify as a, as a problem of some sort, has already we're already thinking of it in terms of often a specific solution. Um, but, but even when not then, it's you know, some myriad like fuzzy idea of like, here's all the ways we might deal with this, right? Mm-hmm. And so everyone is jumping right into solving the problem. The problem with this, though, is that how good your solution is depends on how well you've defined and identified the problem, right? Which is, I mean, it's an obvious thing to say, um, but it's, it's like, it's deeply fundamental true in an important way that is really hard for people who like to get stuff done to really like truly feel because we're biased towards working on solutions. And then when it comes to collaborations, if we bias our presentation of some issue that we're having towards a solution that we're thinking of, we also trap all of our collaborators in the same mindset where even if they start offering different solutions, they've all sort of, they're in one, implicitly unintentionally agreed that the problem was correct. Mm -hmm. Right. And when I say correct, I don't mean like you can have the wrong problem. I mean, when you're breaking a problem apart, it's always, there's always a lot more there than you think, because what you experience when you identify a problem is a symptom of the problem. Right. Uh, And a symptom is always going to come from some, you know, some process not working the way you want or or whatever, but everything that, that results in the symptom or set of symptoms itself is composed of a whole bunch of moving parts, right? It's not, there's not just a thing there. It's not just like, oh, this didn't work, but it's not a, it's not a thing, right? It's, it's always, oh, well, this thing is composed of all of these parts, right? In order for all, all of it to work collectively successfully, each one of these parts has to make this happen, that happen, that happen, it all has to happen flawlessly, blah, 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 right? And as you start to break apart, and more specifically convert this like general idea of a problem into these really specific components, then that basically is root cause analysis, right? That's you identifying the real reasons why the thing is happening. But also yeah. in the process of doing it, you now have revealed all of the things that can be addressed with solutions. And There isn't one thing. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of solutions. Well, and they kind of so apply their own solutions because usually the thing is like, once you really break it down, now the statement of the problem implies the solution, right? Because you're like, oh, well, one of the reasons this didn't happen was because uh, this kind of handoff can get missed by the person who's supposed to receive it, right? So you're like, oh, okay, well, that's very specific. How do we address that, that thing?
0: Yeah, I think to kind of put this into sort of like a concrete like example, it would be kind of like if I said, just as a, like a simple one, if I said, hey, guys, I haven't been feeling too good, so I'm going to start working out five days a week. Yeah. Okay. So, like, I've described what I see as a problem and I've described a solution. So, here's here's the, the part where it gets tricky. I've actually announced two things, okay? And but, yeah. the last thing I said was the solution. So, for you to then say, oh – why are you feeling so bad? you now have to ignore the most recent thing I said and throw it off to the side and go back and talk about the first thing I said, which actually kind of goes against your nature. Mm-hmm. Right. So instead, if I said like, Hey, I have, I've, I've, uh, I haven't been feeling too good. I'm gonna start working out five days a week. You might say like, Oh, are you going to lift? You're going to run? Yeah. Like, you'll just ask me some questions about the, my workout plan. Mm-hmm. Right. As opposed to saying, why aren't, well, why aren't you feeling good? Like, have you been sleeping well what about your food yeah. you know because because also there's a there's a rejection aspect to it because if if i've already announced what i want the solution to be and you start digging into more stuff about the problem then it can be taken as an implication that that i haven't thought through the problem well enough mm-hmm. well right. and, and, and it's so- also true right but not in a judgy way right no it's, yeah yeah but yeah. i could take it in a judgy way yeah, right yeah, i could yeah. take it i could take it as a as an affront on my ability to reason about the problem mm-hmm. um and and also because because i'm the one who announced the problem i believe that i'm the one most familiar with the problem and so if somebody comes in and asks me a bunch of questions about it then i may uh i may think like you know i've already thought through these things even though i may not have <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, so so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of uh sort of like interpersonal sort of angles to this idea of getting at root causes of problems because of the solutions focused angle of it that makes it a like you were saying it makes it a very difficult socially a very difficult thing mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. to practice. Well, I think the
2: bigger right. problem I think even more than the 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 true implication that you haven't thought through all the aspects of the problem right is that is because and, and the one that's then the implication that's not true but that is still a default inference right. Is that uh, is that you're wrong about there being a problem? Yeah, right. right. Because people interpret the you that this other people trying to figure out how to nail down, isolate, and find the root causes and plural the root causes of the problem as as basically uh, some some way of of a, attacking the idea that the problem exists at all. Well, in some ways, right. it's, well, and- it can be like. Sort of turning
1: what was a localized, what feels like a localized problem that you can solve quickly, having someone dig into the systemic background of it is, can be very annoying if you're actually trying to get that thing resolved relatively quickly, right? Because it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't pay you any dividends to solve, to go work on like a three month project to solve the problem, you know, writ large, that's actually behind all these things uh, in a way that actually solves kind of the acute pain that you're experiencing with regard to like whatever that weird sort of symptom set was, right? That you're kind of
2: dealing with. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that, is that that bias towards uh, solutions and being solutions focused Mm -hmm. makes it so that you're slapping band-aids on stuff always, because what you're actually doing is treating a symptom. It's it's the same deal as when you, you know, you feel, you feel bad and you go like exercise, right? It's that will often help because exercise is good for you. Right. And, uh, and there are these other things that happen, right. But you're not, you don't know why you feel bad. Right, and so if you're very lucky, it's you literally picked, because you haven't exercised. You <laughs> just <laughs> picked the one right. You thing. picked the one right <laughs> thing, right? Uh, but that's incredibly unlikely, right? It's 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 in all likelihood, there's a hundred things going on in in your life and how you treat your body and how other people do and how you treat your mind and how other people do and so on uh, that collectively have put you into the state that you're in, right? Uh, and and there's nothing wrong with like fixing something, right? The problem is that you can so easily go down the wrong path, and even when you don't, it's usually the case, once you like really get down and break the problem apart, that there's some really high-leverage shit in there, like some stuff where it's like, oh, like this little tiny thing, right? If if literally we just stopped doing that or if literally somebody sent a message when well, this thing happened or whatever, right, mm-hmm. uh, all of a sudden a huge swath of potential problems go away and it dramatically reduces or removes the symptoms too, right? Um, and so the problem with being solutions focused is that, uh, is that not only are you usually solving the wrong problem in the first place, um, it's that you're expending a lot of resources yeah. when you could have expended a lot less and gotten a better Or
0: outcome. none. Or none. Yeah. Like, it, and and I, often
2: just articulating the problem and like really figuring it out is actually just makes it so it's solved now, right? Yeah. And I, wanna, I think this yeah. is sort of the
1: thing I want to uh, tap into here because one of the benefits we've had... I think with the bounty board so far, the problems board has been actually the slowness of it. And yeah, yep. because what what's required is like, if you see a problem or you experience a problem, you, you go in there, you kind of like, you know, type up your, you know, here's, here's what happened sort of a thing. Right. Uh, and then over the course of actually a couple of days, then you're, you, but you put your little kind of spiel together and then you invite other people to kind of weigh in on the problem. Right. So it's a whole team effort. Um, And you can invite people multiple times as you're kind of like, you know, resurfacing, refiguring out the problem. And one of the most interesting pieces of that has been, I think, in the past, one, again, because we have the general ADHD bent of the three of us means that you do have a bit of that like shiny object thing going on where it's like, ooh, like here's this problem I just experienced right now. I'm going to go like. 100% 100% dive in and fix Just it. Just drop everything. Right. Yeah. Yep. Put a bandaid
2: on it immediately. Right. Yeah.
1: And so what, what I think what can happen there, and this actually, I think, happened with uh, one thing that Seth and I were working on uh, this morning, which is that you can, you can solve that sort of like that band aid uh, or that sort of like the acute pain of it. But you, if you solve it so fast, then you may not necessarily actually see. What that underlying structure is that's actually generating? Because well, yeah, the, the
2: end result of you putting a bandaid on, right, is that if it sufficiently covers the symptoms, then you actually hid the problem instead of fixing mm-hmm. it, right? And and this, yeah. this is happening constantly, right? And, and this is what I've been, uh, I've been, tr- I've been, are constantly trying to say to the team uh, because it's not a thing that you can just like naturally do. I can't do it. Either. Nobody can, right? Where. The, the idea of if something is going well, that's also a signal that there's something that's not going well that's hidden that you don't know about, right? If something is going poorly, that's a really easy signal that something is going wrong. <laughs> you should go look at it, right? But the reality is that everything is, is inefficient and partially broken at best all the time, right? There's no like everything is perfect and works and, the, and could not be improved and is not actually causing dramatic consequences state you can get into, right? Uh, because – and if you think about it in terms of waste, it gets a lot easier. I like guess waste and cost-benefit, right? So even if you are not bothered by a thing that you're doing and it is getting done and it's correct most of the time, right? Uh, you being then content and being fine and being like, OK, well, this is fine. There's nothing wrong with this, Right means that if it was the case that if you dug in there and discovered, holy shit, a robot could do all of this. Or or right, or mm-hmm. or oh wow, actually this was causing these negative things I didn't even realize because the overall experience was so positive, right?
0: Or or uh, not necessarily because the experience is positive, but because you're you are just are a more resilient person. Or right. Because that's, that's it too. And you are just like, bothered on, by things. Right, depending right? on your thresholds. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because
2: like because like me having ADHD I get bored instantly if something is tedious, just instantly. (laughs) So, and so I have like, my threshold is, is in the basement for that kind of thing. Right. But other people, uh, are just like, oh yeah, like I'm going to crush this. And they're, and they're focusing on the fact that they can crush it. Right. Mm -hmm. And And they'll they'll just grind through it. they'll just grind through it and it doesn't, and it doesn't bug me at all. And so, so because of that difference in tolerance for things not being ideal, um, Again, the ideal doesn't exist, but, you know, getting closer to that, uh, then people end up seeing different problems and seeing mm-hmm. them in different ways. Uh, and that particularly insidious one is the one where somebody doesn't notice there's a problem because their tolerance for things not being really effective is really high, right? And, uh, and this is also going to be one of the things that creates conflicts within a team, Right. Mm-hmm. Where it's easy to feel like, oh, this person just doesn't care about whatever, right? They don't care about – Or uh, likewise, it's easy to feel like this person needs to like shut up about this and just deal with it. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's a flip side. side, yeah. 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 And, and, the, but the, and both of those things could be true. Yeah. yeah. But actually the, 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 the underlying <laughs> reality though
2: is just that the nature of work is that it is largely invisible – and can always be improved if you dig into it, whether or not you specifically are having a, a bad or good time with it. Right. And so, uh, so, so yeah, so that's been very interesting. And then there was one other big, so that was the big kind of like discovery, I guess. This was from reviewing the board and seeing how people were tackling problems. Uh, and, and what people got focused on as they started to have these asynchronous visible conversations, like we, this was visible. That's why we could see it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was all happening in like the comments field of these cards, right? And so, like, I could just go look at it and see what did it look like when people tackled this this problem, right? Um, so that was very cool. the uh, The other big thing that I kind of knew, but uh, but I've been able to, but I, I thought I was, I didn't, I knew it as a general problem that has now become specific, which is that our communications channels, how we get information to each other, are really noisy and really mixed in the sense that different kinds of information that require a person to take different kinds of action are all in the the same place, right? So like in Discord, we might be seeing messages about two people communicating with something about some project they're trying to do. And You also may see like somebody post a thing. Oh hey, like uh, this is happening later today. Make sure everybody's here for that or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you may also see oh shit, something is on fire. Everybody drop everything and come do this, right? Um, similarly, like in our Favro board, they have their own little alert system. You might see alerts for oh, somebody pinged you because they need something urgently on a, on a card to to get information, right? Uh, or it could be somebody mentioned you, know, mentioned you which causes the alert, right? Um, Because their card was buried somewhere and they didn't want to deal with throwing it into your pile and they just knew that you could get to that thing if you just popped up an alert, right? And so now all of a sudden, you as the person seeing all of this, right, uh, you don't know what is or isn't urgent, what is or isn't important. And because there's urgent stuff and important
0: stuff in there, you have to treat all of it as if it's both urgent and important, right? Well, at the very least, you've got to look at it now, yeah, you gotta look at it. That's it what I mean, says, yeah, you have to look then at it and figure now. out. Yeah, yeah. You, you actually have to start with the assumption yeah. that you need to know what that is. It's like the Schrodinger's urgency. Like everything yeah. is is urgent and non urgent yep. until you've looked at it. <laughs> yeah, <Figure. laughs> yep. and that was and that was the so that was the other thing that I think led to the very
2: early. This again is something like these to very early, very easy kinds of fixes where you just say, "Oh, okay." So like alerts in Favreau now like never can be urgent. If you need something urgently. You got to do it somewhere else because now now people get to interpret in the favor board. Oh, an alert is just somebody trying to pull me into something, right? Just trying to say, hey, I want you over here at your earliest convenience, right? Um, and uh, and then similar deal within Discord. It's kind of restructured a bit, put some rules in there. Um, that can be very, very easy, right? And now all of a sudden the channels of communication get unmixed. And so when you when you get an alert or when you get a message at all, then – Ideally, there's a whole category of ways you get messages where you just know, I don't have to worry about this until mm-hmm. later, right? And yep. this other one channel where like the things that you need to deal with this very moment come in, right? Which are actually oh, it's almost nothing. And that was the thing I noticed too, is that everybody on the team was treating so much stuff as urgent, just like so much stuff uh, everywhere. Um, and and that was causing a sort of general sense of people not having control, right?
0: And not having time, um, and, well, and so kind of feeling like really if you start working on something, you might have to just drop it. Yeah, because you never moment. know what's going to happen, right? Because some new, well, and this, and and I think you're right about the communication channels. Where if there's a, it's like having a pager. You know, like back in the day when like doctors would have a pager when they're on call. You know, and it's mm-hmm. like that's the only thing that it's for. Uh, and so if your phone rings, if other things happen, it's like meh. Mm-hmm. But when your pager goes off, you're like, shit, mm-hmm. somebody's trying to die. I gotta go <laughs> yeah. deal with this. Um, yeah. So have, having a singular communication channel that is for urgent stuff, and every other thing can be dealt with as at at your earliest convenience, as you mm-hmm. said. Um, ideally when you're planning you your work, and
2: so yes, yeah, so if if you're doing work and like plans of a on the order of a day, right then that's yeah. perfect. Cause like there's almost nothing that no piece of work that lands in your plate right now, you know, that can't wait until tomorrow. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. there's just almost nothing. And so, so if that's the default is you just say, okay, like i every day I'll like make my plan for the day. I'll like, get my inbox figured out, get everything prioritized. So I know what, what I'm going to do stuff in. And then that's what's happening. Unless something truly actually urgent happens, which has to mean it's like on fire. Something is on the line for real. Yeah. right? Um, and uh but outside of that I was like no just make your plan and do it you know and uh so yeah that was that was uh so those are the, those are the two very high level things um that i have so far there's a, a million other things um all but, right we'll, uh, we'll hit those some
1: are, more yeah, those are the big ones
0: we'll hit some more next week uh yeah it's all it's all pretty interesting i th- i think this this idea of of getting getting out of the work and and working on the work, I think, is, is pretty important. There's that book, the the E myth, mm-hmm, which I think yep. we talked about a long time ago. Yeah. We all yeah, years ago we basically found all of those books and read all of them. Yeah. Right. yeah. And and this is this is and it's a thing that we we've talked about before, but this idea that uh, it's incredibly challenging to to be an employee and a boss at the same time. Yeah. Right. Your incentives are mixed. Your attention is split. You're kind of, by definition, you're you're, just, you're half-assing two things, right? Yep. Um, and uh, and so I'm sure, yeah, we'll have just more and more kind of interesting things come oh, yeah, out. I as, think actually, yeah. As, since
2: you since you noted that, I think a, a an interesting point about that problem is when you're when you're an employee and a boss, right? Uh, because the the rest of your of your team is going to be treating you as a boss, right? Then there's an implicit assumption there that if you say something, then that's true. Right. Or, and, and I don't mean like true with a globe capital T as in like, if you say like, Oh, that's I need to what, get this done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what's happening now. Yeah. That's what's happening. If you say, Oh, here's what I need. You, here's the solution I need you to take care of. Right. Oh, like, Oh, I identify this problem. Right. Whatever. Then there's this, there's this built in uh default where the assumption is that all of that part of the work is already done in terms of like, identifying the problem clarifying it understanding exactly what the things are looking at the possible solutions with that really good well laid out set of problems and so on right and so that was that was one of the consequences of this of the fact that we were we were our own bosses and our own employees and everybody else's bosses and everybody else's collab- collaborator collaborative teammates right all at the same time was that so much of the stuff that was going on in the studio was basically inefficient out of the gate, because we didn't take the time to like really figure out what needed to happen, because we were busy trying to do our other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But the assumption was that we had, right? Uh, which made sense. Like, I mean, nobody did anything wrong here, but This is just like that's
0: just the inevitable outcome of something like yep. this. We were operating so, in the in the structural environment that we had created for yep. ourselves, you know?
2: Yeah,
0: uh, yeah. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, pretty interesting pivot. Right, let's get on to some questions. Let's go. Heist upvoted – oh, sorry. These questions come from our listeners over at Mm podcast.bscotch.net. Got to make sure I plug the link. Uh, Heist upvoted question comes from Tiger Shark Bassist, which is pretty good Sure, yeah. Uh Who says, if you guys were to guess Flux's favorite type of music, what genre would it be? She seems like a pretty fun, funky space trucker. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear her Spotify playlist. Mm. well i've been thinking uh, about i mean i assume thought. polari beatboxing you yeah know. I mean, you got well i think you basically you take
1: like well, uh weirdly enough this is sort of like one of those questions that you try to answer when you're coming up with the music scape for the next game in some ways right because it's like okay how does when you say okay this is like a fun galactic trucker of some a funky galactic trucker of some sort um i think it speaks to like trying to musically pulled pull the feel of of this particular person or character into into the world right so weirdly enough i've thought about this a lot uh yeah and it kind of actually is along <laughs> those lines which is which is along these beats of like some some mix of interesting uh acoustic stuff with then essentially more beats so the titans polarity beats thing uh, which to me kind of ends up feeling something like i i mean i love the the vibe of like uh I feel like lo fi hip hop, if you're traveling through space, just driving around in a big space Mm -hmm. truck is like a dope scene. Um, And then kind of like some of that, some of that just like kind of dirty guitar stuff, uh, country guitar is just so good. Yeah. She would also also probably need a
2: lot of uh, of music that can kind of go on, you know, and isn't, and isn't, doesn't draw, draws attention to itself in in the more, you know, subtle kind of a way. And so that, because like you're on a spaceship on the long haul. Right, doing a lot of just like manual work, building things, fixing things. Mm -hmm. Right, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta have your mind sort of uh,
0: pleasantly occupied at all times, while also not being distracted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you don't, you don't want vocals for starters. None of it has vocal. It's just it's it's atmospheric background music, you know. But unless it's alien language a good, you don't understand, and that's fine. Yeah, well, it's yep. got a good sort of uh, <laughs> variation because sometimes you're in that kind of contemplative, like just chilling out, uh, you know, being relaxed. Sometimes you got to, if you're having a bit of a rough day and you need to kind of get some pep in your step. You need to, you mm-hmm. need something that slaps. Yeah. You know. Yep. But uh, yeah, it's all pretty funky kind of like bluegrass EDM beatboxing That's sort of uh, I see there must, uh, also be mixture. it yeah, must
2: must also be some sort of uh i don't know like getting into the death metal te- territory in preparation for fighting uh you know bosses feels like the wrong word in the context of lore you know but mm-hmm. it, it's the right video game term anyway but mm-hmm. when you are take you're taking on these uh these challenging These foes challenging <laughs> foes right and you got and you got to get prepped cuz you always get prepped you know where you're yep. making all your making all your potions uh, and you're getting your, I do your see, like, blades sharpened Interesting your question is like what music would you would you
1: listen to before like a light speed jump you know what i mean cuz like that particular kind of a situation feels like something where you have to be playing some particular song
2: I think well, it depends no. on how how in in the universe in the, in the lore, mm-hmm. you know. It depends on how trivial or non-trivial. Yes, and, that's what I was going to say. And frequent and then dangerous, you know. It is, right? Cuz if it's if it's non-trivial and dangerous, right? Then this could be just your last moment, right? So that's that's a different sort of a thing than if you're just like, well, whatever, you don't even notice. Did you just barely <laughs> registered that it happened, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know what what a uh, Actually, do we have FTL in in our universe, in our universe,
0: we have, oh yeah, we've got teleportation, we've, we've got, teleportation. got wormholes, yeah, yeah. we got all kinds of. So we don't have like ships
2: that like have FTL drives.
1: Uh, we have right. we have like the 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 derp for example from Levelhead, the intergalactic yeah, right. railgun right. thing is essentially yeah, some ships. No, she's packed. yeah but presumably you she could. It's just a, a ship is just a package full of people,
0: really. Yeah, when you get down But they're to really. It. Heavy yeah, though. I mean, you you have to go faster than light to have any kind of semblance of of uh, even interstellar delivery. You know, like yeah. mm-hmm. imagine ordering something from the Bureau of Shipping and they're like, it'll be there in seventy three years. We're <laughs> seventy three light years away from us. <laughs> like you've got to, it any. Any space based lore must has to have, have faster, some form of faster. faster. Well, yeah, but the question of whether and it's in a
2: ship or whether it's like mm-hmm. the ship has to go somewhere or whatever, right? Until I get into a
0: wormhole, yeah, makes mm-hmm. a makes a big difference. You know, mm-hmm. here's a well, question. Well, you know you can. There's a variety of ways you can do it. Oh, yeah, you know, there's wormholes. There's faster than like, travel. We got to uh, figure yeah, there's, out. There's like lots of the dumbest lots of one. tech. That's sort of usually where we. Go with yeah. Well, so, I feel like I feel like the derp is pretty much along the same. <laughs> yes. well, so, yeah. So so with the derp
2: though, right? Because the, the derp is trying to shoot things super fast, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the, so the main problem you're going to have with the with the derp is just the energy cost of getting something up to that speed, right? Because of course, the closer mm-hmm. you get to light speed, the more and more costly it gets, like exponentially, to move a piece of mass faster, right? So the reason that light gets away with this is because it's massless. So here's the question. Mm-hmm. Is the package made out of light? Is it a hard light?
1: Yeah. So this is where we've package. been going with this stuff is, is exploring the the concept of hard light, which are one of the one of the materials that's in level head, which are these – they're just blocks to turn off and on. But we had to answer the question like, how the fuck would that happen? And so we were like, mm-hmm. well, I mean, it's hard light. If it was light but
2: hard and you could stand on yeah. it, then you're good to go. So if it has no mass – Because it's light, but it's hard. So it like, Mm -hmm. right? Then now all of a sudden you can construct ships. You can
0: construct construct packages. Massless. Now those parts are massless
2: things, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's
0: this is what a lightsaber is, right? Mm -hmm. In a the idea that you could have like just a beam of light that goes out two feet and then stops. You know, like come on, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's magic at that point, which is where we're leaning into. Uh, I mean, except except it won't burn you, and you can stand on it. It's it's hard. It's just hard life. Yeah, it's yeah. hot. It's just hard. I mean, you could probably heat it yeah. up. You know, probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, so there you go. There's Flux's music choice. Uh, next mm-hmm. question comes from Alan MB, who says, So, I got a PS5 a couple months ago. Well, most of the hype and claims from Sony were highly exaggerated. The haptic feedback <laughs> on the controller lives up to the hype 100% and is the best improvement to me. Mm, yeah, That's the most important what are part your of thoughts? any – Seven hundred dollar console. I think we can all agree is, is the slight vibrations, the you slight feel vibrations that you feel in yeah. your hands. So. Uh, what are your <laughs> thoughts on marketing marketing hype versus facts, expectation versus reality? What's the most outrageous claim you all have made in life that ended up being one hundred percent bullshit? Ooh, well, I mean most of them made. It, right. <laughs> yeah, most of them. I think the the, the thing that runs you into
1: trouble here is the fact that people uh, people don't understand things. So when you're communicating about a sophisticated product, something like a PlayStation 5, you don't actually get to communicate about the things that are really the most important about the product. So for example, if it's the case um, that this thing uses like solid-state drives, which actually means like a lot of really, really important things for the kinds of games that can be developed, the way uh, in which the experience of the machine is had. How you f- actually, fast the loading times are. Yeah, like all these things are actually far more important usually than like – the extra uh, haptic feedback, which also I've heard is just like dope because you can like pull back bows and stuff. Like it just apparently feels amazing. Uh, so much mm-hmm. so that Xbox was like, yeah, we're going to probably do that with our next controller, mm-hmm. um, which is always a good sign. But yeah, so like not to not to say that that is not literally worth buying a console for because it is. Like I think it's, that's the whole thing is that any one of these little innovations is. It's The challenge when it comes to marketing is is not in depicting a reality, but it's in depicting what you'd call it a, a truth, which is like a, a capital T
2: truth, which is like the essence of an experience. Yes.
1: How do I convey to you what it is like to engage with this machine? There's a reason why, like in the case mm-hmm. of PlayStation, that thing looks like a fucking sci-fi box that sort of just like got drop shipped in from orbit. There's a reason it looks like yeah. that because the the what the team's trying to do is to communicate to you how sophisticated and like sleek and, like, just oh, good, right? How futuristic how this futuristic, box, like, this thing is. And you have to do that at every single layer. And so when you get into some of these claims about, like, what the thing can do and all this other stuff, all of them are, if the marketing team's doing their job well, which obviously Sony's did, um, they're going to be trying to kind of line up along some particular, like, capital truth here about how they want you to experience this thing. And the problem is that you you literally, you don't really get to pick uh, I guess is the weird part as a as an on-marketing team. like You don't get to pick which one works.
2: You can pick which yeah, one. Which try. one, which experience people actually can grok and then is yes. compelling. Yes. And so things that, that are very easy to uh,
1: communicate may not be the most important thing at all about the product, about the experience. It may even in some ways like associate it with things that kind of belie like other stuff that, that like doesn't actually come and like show up at all. But importantly... It's like, it's literally not even remotely about that. It's about like, what how, what particular thing about this product, about this game, whatever else, can I communicate that actually lets you get excited about it? So in the case of like, we talk about ARK quite a bit, because simply saying the line like, you can ride dinosaurs, uh, is enough to oftentimes get people to be like, I mean, I kind of want to check out this game, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what we talk about when we talk about a hook. It's actually that. And the hooks oftentimes aren't the most important part of the game. They're just about like getting your attention and being able to figure out what that is for any product is really fucking hard because oftentimes yeah. it's not well, for, what you thought it was. Yeah.
2: Well, for any, yeah, any product, this is true, but, but in particular for ones that have really complex ways of interacting. So yes. like a video game console, you know, uh, which not only is how you interact with it, but how you inter- interact with every game that is available on it, right? And it's also true of, of a game. Um, it's as soon as you get into it. So it's, it's true already, um, I think my the favorite my favorite one that I've ever seen out in the wild of a of a weird marketing claim was a giant like person sized uh, ad thing at a Target a few years ago that was for some razor and it was like now with a metal blade for up to one hundred percent more control. Mm-hmm. You mean right? metal handle? Metal or handle. So? Sorry, yeah. Metal handle. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Metal, a metal handle. Sorry, for up to yeah for up to for up to one hundred percent more control. Right. Okay. Unpack that. That means nothing. Yeah. It means literally nothing. <laughs> it's a metal handle. It doesn't do anything. It's a thing
0: you hold As on if, to. As uh, if right? when I was shaving with a plastic handle, I was like, oh, I'm out of yeah. control. I'm just wildly whipping this thing yeah. around. But what they wanted to plastic. do is they want oh, to give I you the sense
2: of like – because like using using a, a, a physical item that's like hefty, right, mm-hmm. and feels well crafted. Feels better. Feels good. That's a, that's mm-hmm. a good – it's like saying like a mechanical keyboard, hitting slapping those heavy keys, right? That feels good, right? But it's not necessarily it can't say that. doing anything. And you can't yet yeah, and, and like it doesn't work just to say like, oh, this metal hand like this metal handle like will make you feel it like it just feels better to like you." It's better. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so so they're trying <laughs> yeah. to get at that truth. Yeah. Right. Well, I was but, thinking about it in, in a way that they feel drive. like a person will actually like somehow respond to you because you can't convey the actual experience. And especially for a complex thing, they're are so many experiences that are ahead that even if you just tried to pick one and accurately convey it, right? That would still be insufficient because your experience of the thing is not, oh, at this moment in time, this happened and this is how I would describe my experience, right? Your experience is your entire recollection of the emotional impact of interacting with this thing, right? Mm-hmm. That's what you're and that's what you're trying to capture when it comes to marketing you're trying you're trying to pick the overall like sense of what it feels like to be a person who plays world of warcraft uh, you know whatever right you're trying to you're trying to convey that sense but you cannot do it by like picking a moment out of the game that is an actual experience a moment a momentary experience and trying to accurately
0: transpose that into marketing Right. Yep. Well, and even even more interesting with this is when you're talking about something like a solid state drive. To me, that is the biggest jump for the, this current generation it of consoles. Yep. But the problem is, it is nothing. It's it's the lack of an annoyance that used to be there, right? And you can't sell someone an emotionally resonant message about like, hey, you're not going to be annoyed by this thing anymore, <laughs> <laughs> which yep. Which but you're that's still focusing not a, on the
2: consequence. Because the reason that like you know that an SSD is like that's the that's the big jump is because of what it means for this technology to do its job, right? And one of the things that it has to do is move data from one source to another so that you can interact with it, right? Yeah. And that's a slope, a slow, slow process if you have worse hardware, right? And so the SSD yeah. like jacks up that process, like. To ten thousand X or whatever, right? Like it's a huge, huge amount. But you can't tell people that because, of course, any one of those little pieces that you try to tell them, like they have to have so much context to grok it. That, but then yeah. even if they do, you didn't actually describe an experience. You described some information that you're hoping will cause them to remember an experience and then now think about the opposite of that, right? I think it's, yeah. This or is what you the, need. Is well, this is yeah, the reason why I think
1: Sony's relationship with Indies who are not Developing visuals on a triple A scale has been so confused uh, and continues to be confused yep. because Indies who are not making games that are visually stunning i mean literally playstation 's phrase was what greatness awaits right mm-hmm. like their whole pitch is like you can you can be like inhabiting these literal like other worlds that people have built and they look like the world that you are in like it's just sort of an unreal situation Graphical it's like they're transporting depends. you yeah and so this doesn't square well actually with like with with games in general that are made not at like that triple a quality budget which i think is why you know they're they just haven't been able to care as much i think about the indie sphere, indie sphere because it doesn't actually line up with the capital truth that's behind the console in the first place you know what
0: I mean? Yeah. Is it yeah? Is it on brand for you to like play Stardew Valley on your PlayStation Five? Yeah. You know, literally. <laughs> not. Yeah. It feels weird <laughs> to even say it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And of course you can. You're gonna
2: have a great time doing it, but it doesn't. It doesn't fit into. I, I assume the it's the on marketing. there. I
0: don't. I don't know if it is. I, it's probably everywhere. Yeah. But yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Because yeah. Cause like you said, it's the the marketing is is yeah. It's all about that that fidelity. So it mm-hmm. is kind of confusing.
2: Yeah, it it has to be dishonest to be honest, right? Is the is the thing. Mm-hmm. But because that's true, then you're always writing this this line of yep. of does your dishonesty convey the truth, right? Because that's a really really hard needle to thread, and uh, and if you if you miss if you miss the mark and it just feels like now it's it's just untruth, so that's it because you didn't capture the truth with the with yeah. the lies right and a good example uh, That's the.
1: i mean although no man's sky stuff we've talked about yeah that's the best example of it. yeah so as far as picking yeah. one that like my favorite missed mark to me but again like it didn't miss at all importantly when it comes to like that game selling successfully and like nailing its audience and stuff that was a yeah, perfect tagline but in terms of like over promising yeah which was this whole every atom procedural there aren't any fucking atoms in the game but like again mm-hmm. if you want to get down to like what the difference between marketing and dev is, like that's the difference in that but if you,
2: right? But also if you think about the stuff yeah. that people were so angry about, right, when it comes to that game, at least in my recollection, it was all specifics. It was all like, oh, you said that this would be like literally true and this would be literally true, right? Mm-hmm. And while, while people were, when they actually got the game and played it, they were like, oh, well, like this proceduralness isn't like actually as interesting as I hoped it would be, right? Uh, that was actually one of like it was a complaint, yeah, but it wasn't the one people were up in arms about, right? Because that 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 core lie of every Adam procedural, right, was this was a marketing message of what it meant to feel like experiencing yes. this game, which is that it's all about seeing stuff you've never seen before, right? Mm-hmm. And and so much of it, you will, you won't be able to believe it, right? And they actually got close enough to that even at launch that that wasn't the main complaint, right? Mm -hmm. The main complaints were a million other things where they got specific, right? Where they, where they told the truth that was, became a lie because they said like, we are going to literally do this thing. Well, they got too close to reality. They 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 got too close to reality. Uh, And, and so, yeah, so you can get hurt in both ways, right? If you, if you get, if the truth is too concrete, uh, or so actually if the lie is too concrete, yes, when attempting to get at a truth, right? Mm -hmm. Then, you're, it's now you're in you're much more dangerous territory. Um, I think that's a lot of what happened to them is they had a lot of marketing happening for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and the messages that they were putting out were all over the place in this space of like how specific the There's claim implications was, right? about features that and all, they ended yeah, up and, and all the implications about,
0: about features. features. Well, it wasn't right. even just yeah, it wasn't even that. It was it was they they would just always say yes if somebody said like, yeah, right, oh, yeah. can you do this in the yeah, game? They'd be true. like yep yep you can Uh, because i remember they never announced multiplayer they just answered people's questions about multiplayer Mm -hmm. by saying oh yeah sure yep yep you can do that. (laughs) but if you but if you look at the the, like if you looked at the features list of the game at launch they didn't mention multiplayer anywhere uh and so then of course like players bought the game expecting all these features none of them were in there uh and and also I, i think at some point they thought like some of these things they could just get away with cuz i remember their multiplayer answer was like well technically you you could play with other players but the universe is so big right that it will be impossible to find other players so of course on the first day of launch two people go to the exact same place to see each other and they can't <laughs> see each other <laughs> uh, and they and so so they got they got caught you know so yeah you got to be careful yeah marketing is always lies but you're trying to lie to get at the truth but if if you're lying about a lie, then <laughs> that's where that's where it's a problem <laughs> yeah, I, it, like, I
1: think using the word lie is a weird one because all it is is actually it's just it's it's abstractions that get far enough away from the ground to really try to point at what the overall like experience is supposed to be, you need really to frame everything, yeah, right
0: you need to yeah you need to frame what the emotional experience is going to be and you can't do that by just like listing specs has a solid state drive, to, yeah how do you feel about that? Yeah, it has that. a solid state drive, which is fast, right? Instead, you would like show a commercial of like somebody sitting in a chair, turn on their PlayStation Five, and then suddenly like <laughs> they're in a wormhole, yep. you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like load speeds up to thirty thousand times faster. Also, <laughs> that's also this, and then they too, catch you on, that, on fire. Or yeah, something. Even, even with something <laughs> like that,
2: though, right? Which is hard to convey. Like there are some things, no matter how important they are, you cannot successfully convey, right? And. In marketing materials, actually, the so haptic to to
1: nature of that controller is one of the interesting ones. Yeah, so you can't, can't. Yeah,
2: you can't convey yeah. that. Yeah, and you can't convey uh, increased loading times, right? Because how do, how do you do that? Well, you would have to, to actually convey. You'd have to show like a side by side of a thing loading and yeah. slow in this case and fast in this case, right? How fucking boring is that? That's not. Yeah. Again, okay, now you're marketing a on a feature so comparison
1: won. rather than like any the higher and level on, thing. On, and yeah, now you're not
2: on an actual experience, right? Yeah. And, and like, doing. and then if you didn't actually draw attention to that. And just showed somebody getting right into a game or whatever, like that's what you expect, right? So it's actually, as Seth said, it's the absence of something Mm -hmm. that is there and you can't – so you can take – this is actually one of the things, the traps that we've fallen into with our past games is is identifying the stuff that like really mattered in terms of the actual experience, but then realizing belatedly that we couldn't actually market that. There wasn't a way, right? Uh, and, and then you're like, well, shit, this is like, this is the thing that differentiated the game, like made it what it is. You can't tell people about it. No one and, cares. and there's no way to market that. There's no way to make people care without having the experience first. So,
0: yeah, it's a dangerous Brutal. territory oh, so hard. Be yeah be Yeah, we're, we're probably not the people to ask about how to market things. No. <laughs> things like, I definitely
1: know how it works now after having failed it so many times, but it doesn't make me feel remotely confident
0: about being able to do, do it correctly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a tough game mm-hmm. marketing. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Good Bye.